This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, Let's Talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy. And my guest today is actor Lorne Green, whose portrayal of Ben Cartwright in Bonanza has brought him fame around the world and gratitude from millions of American viewers, including myself, for restoring the American father to his rightful position of dignity and respect. Thank you for that, Lorne Green, and thank you for coming by today for a visit. Well, thank you, Lucy, for those wonderful words, and thank you for having me. Well, that's as formal as I'm going to get. From <laughs> now on, I'm going to find out what Lorne Green is really like. Can I take off my shoes, too? Yes, please do. First of all, I had no idea you were so handsome. Oh, Lucy. Well, now, it's true. I, I have only seen you on the screen, and sort of from a distance, and, uh, you know, you're quite a man, Lorne, and... Uh, there are lots and lots of things about your life that I would like to delve into. Can we kind of start back a little bit? Because I'm interested, and I think my listeners will be. Where are you from now? Canada? Mm-hmm. Yep. What part of Canada? I was born in uh, what the city which is known as the capital of Canada, Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And I was born in a little section there called the Flats. Uh, my first uh, 13 or 14 years was in a little section of town which is overshadowed by the Parliament buildings. But that was the wrong side of the Parliament buildings to be on. Well, even so, it's pretty good overshadowing. Yeah, pretty good overshadowing. What were you interested in at that age? Well, I was interested in uh, actually making my way through life because uh, I lived in a pretty uh, rough section of town. Yeah. At 13, you didn't have to worry about your... Uh... No, but at 8, I did. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had to, I had to uh, find my way with with all the kids around me because really? they were, yeah, they were kind of kind of tough and rough. One very good friend of mine is now a lifer in the penitentiary in Canada, and we grew up together. Hmm. And he went one way, and fortunately, I went another. What made you take the right way, and what made him take the wrong way? Any particular uh, era? I mean. Yeah, year uh, or yeah, person? I, th I, th I think it has to do uh, with uh, the climate at home. Oh, boy, are you right. When, when I was eight years old, actually, I, my mother decided I was going to become a concert violinist, which, oh. which surprised me mm -hmm. and surprised everybody around us, I guess. But for five years, I tried my very, very best to become a concert violinist to please her. And I knew deep down inside, Lucy, that there was no chance of that ever happening. Even at that age? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, had a, I, I knew that I, I couldn't cut it. And then at the age of 13, I revolted. I, I took fate into my hands for the very first time. Well, that's pretty young to do that. Well, I had to. I was playing ball out in the, out, uh, about two days after school was out that summer. And I was playing out in the field. And uh, somebody hit a ball, and it was coming toward me. And... As it was coming toward me, I was, I felt the delicious wonder and the great marvelous uh, feeling of exhilaration of being outside playing ball instead of being inside playing the violin. And I, I looked over my shoulder to make sure that I wasn't going to trip over anything as I went back to catch the fly ball. And way over to my left, way over, in another direction completely, I saw a huge round rock which looked a little bit like a had a pumpernickel type surface and suddenly I just ran over toward that rock backed up toward it fell against it with my left hand very carefully down on top of the rock and 18 stitches later I was out of the violin business ah. and I still hears the skies do you think you did it purposely oh later on I knew I had yes I didn't at the moment I didn't know what I was doing certainly but uh, hmm. uh, four five six years later and even more I 
So, you know, you look back and say, now, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. You haven't mentioned your father yet. Well, I'm coming to that. Uh, having, having now been out of the violin business for the first time and going to school, I, I be, uh, I, we went into gymnasium that September, and uh, we had boxing lessons for the first time. And then at halfway through the period, the instructor said, all right, you and you, you and you, you and you, one minute apiece. So I got into the ring, and who was I teamed up with? Juvenile delinquent number one. <laughs> and I was scared. I mean, I was, I was so scared, I didn't want to go into the ring. But I pushed myself in, and he came at me, and I covered up. I covered up better than Archie, Archie Moore ever could cover up. <laughs> and then he came at me again, and something inside me snapped. And I said, you know, I sort of felt ashamed. Why am I so afraid? And as he came at me, he was wide open, and I let him have one, and I hit him by chance in the Adam's apple. Oh. Now, suddenly he couldn't breathe, right? And I swarmed over him, and the referee stopped the fight. Uh -huh. I had won. Uh -huh. And I had beaten juvenile delinquent number one. Well, Lucy, you know what happens. The victor usually becomes the vanquished. Yes. I became his first lieutenant. Ah. Ah. And for six months after that, I cut classes. I went down to the railway station. Oh, I went to the pool hall. The devil's I stole, advocate. Oh, yes. I stole papers and pen nibs and the whole bit. And one day, and this is where the home environment came in, one day, my mother was away. She was out of town in New York visiting her sister. And I said goodbye to my father that morning. Beautiful spring day. Gorgeous. Sun was shining beautifully. And uh, I said goodbye, and I said, I'll see, see you later, Dad. And I left the house, but there was an exam that morning, and I wasn't going to take that examination because I hadn't been at school long enough during the year to know anything about it. And he, uh, he said goodbye, and I hung around and hung around and hung around until about a quarter to ten in the morning so I could go back to the house and leave my books because I didn't want to drag all those books around with me all day. And I went back, and I let myself in, and I shut the door, slammed it, and the voice said, who's there? <laughs> and it was my father goofing off. And I didn't know he was going to goof off that day. And he came out in the hallway from the bathroom with a towel around him. I said, he said, what are you doing here? And I couldn't think of anything to say, and I said, uh, uh, I, I came to get an umbrella. <laughs> and the sun is streaming through the windows. And he looked at me, he said, well, he says, if you think it's going to rain, you'd better get one. So I got an umbrella, and I... Walk, now I have the umbrella and the books, and I walk to the door, and I open up the door halfway, and he says, uh, you better take your rubbers, too. You wouldn't want to get your feet wet. So I went back, and I got my rubbers, and I piled them up on top of my books, and with the umbrella in one hand, I opened the door to leave again. He said, meet me for lunch. I said, no, I'll have lunch at school, lying like a fiend. He said, no, meet me for lunch. You always do want to meet me. He says, you might as well do it today. So I did. We talked about everything under the sun except the subject, and then I said goodbye, and I said, I'll see you later. And he said, I'll drive you to school. And I said, no, I'd, I'd rather walk. He said, <laughs> I know it's a beautiful day, but I think I'll drive you to school. So he did. And I said goodbye to him when he dropped me off there. And he said, I'll walk in with you. And then I knew. <laughs> so I walked up the stairs and walked into the principal's office. And there on the desk were two piles of forged notes. And I looked at those notes, and I knew what they were. And you know, for 20 minutes, that principal lectured at me. 
and I don't remember a single word that he said, but I'll never forget the look in my father's eyes. Never. Because what, what, what? what it said to me was, what kind of a monster have I brought into this world, and how could this possibly happen? And you know, I never cut classes again, and he never mentioned it to me, never mentioned the incident again, never punished me for it. It was only the second time in my life I had lied to my father, and I never lied to him again. I couldn't. What a beautiful story. Yeah. And what, what age were you then, Lauren? I was 13 and a half. 13 and, and a half. Yeah. Just going into young manhood. Yeah, it, he caught me right at the right time. Thank goodness he goofed off that morning. Well, I'm going to catch you right now because our time is up. I was so fascinated, I didn't even realize it. We, can you believe the time is up so oh, quickly? You will be with me tomorrow, won't you, Lauren? We have just started on your fascinating life story. I'd love to be here. Thank you. I have been talking to the one and only Lorne Green from Bonanza. I hope you'll be listening tomorrow. Bye for now. Hi, this is Lucy. And again today, my guest is Lorne Green, whose portrayal of Ben Cartwright in Bonanza has brought him fame and gratitude from millions of American viewers. It's easy to see why Bonanza is the leading television show in America, especially when I sit across the mic from Lorne Green. Thank you for coming again today, Lorne. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here with you. So easy, too. Thank you. I was fascinated yesterday with the first few years of your life, and I kind of want to take it step by step, so don't get impatient now, hmm. because it's a wonderfully interesting story. You told us that you were born in Ottawa, Canada, and you told us a little bit about where you lived, and you intimated that it might have been a little bit on the wrong side of the tracks, which had a great deal to do in shaping your young life. And a fascinating story yesterday about your first uh, encounter with your dad's way of handling something, which meant a great deal to you, and I suppose a great deal the rest of your life in yes. the way you shaped up. Did you finish high school, Lauren? Oh, yes, yes, I finished high school. And then what did you do? Then I went on to uh, university. I was going to be a chemical engineer, Lucy. Chemical engineer? You know, yeah, I'd blown up the house a couple of times, at least the <laughs> summer kitchen, you know. <laughs> and that's why I went to this particular university, which is Queens in uh, Canada. It's mm -hmm. right on the shores of Lake Ontario. I got there in September to, to register, and when I went in to register, the, uh, I found out something. I found out that my classes were in the morning, my lab work was in the afternoon, and I did my work at night. And in my, in my uh, last year of high school, I'd become very interested in theater. Because my, my French teacher had thrown me, literally forced me into a, a French one-act play. I didn't want to do it because I was playing basketball, and she wanted me to do it because I had a big voice. And the, the play consisted of two people who were supposed to be deaf. And so they were constantly shouting at each other to make themselves heard. A very good comedy. <laughs> and I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. So when I went to Queens, I thought I would, I would participate in uh, the extracurricular activity of uh, theater on the campus. But uh, being in chemical engineering, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I decided to switch courses. Were you earning your way through college? No. Uh, well, up to a point I was, up to a little point. But my, my father was paying, footing the bill. Mm -hmm. And uh, I phoned him and I said, uh, uh, Pop, uh, I want to change courses. 
And uh, he said, well, he says, I have to be through Kingston tomorrow anyway. Why don't I stop off and see you? And I knew that he didn't have to be through Kingston tomorrow, but he stopped off, and for about three and a half hours, we sat on the shores of Lake Ontario on that beautiful September, late September afternoon with all the golden leaves falling and everything else, and we talked about me and my future. My father was the kind of person who directed by questions, never by commands. And he never really directed. He sort of shaped, helped to shape my thinking. He sounds just great. Yeah, he was a wonderful man. Were you an only child? Uh, yeah. yeah. I had an older brother who died quite young. Uh, but he would, he would just sit there and ask questions. Great listener, wonderful listener. Is he still and, alive? No, he's not. And he never did see... Uh, Bonanza? Bonanza, no. Although I, I shaped the character of Ben Cartwright after him I'm quite sure a bit. you did. And uh, he listened, and after three and a half hours of listening and me doing most of the talking, as I seem to be doing now... <laughs> uh, well, who else can tell your story, <laughs> Lauren? <laughs> he, uh, he said, well, look, son, he said, this is your life, and you're going to have to live it. He said, I can't live it for you, and I wouldn't live it for you. Therefore, how can I tell you really what you should or should not do? He said, if you think that this is really what you want to do, then by all means. And I had decided that I would take a, a uh, modern language course, which would allow me time to participate in theatrical activities on the campus, which were extracurricular. And I did that. And then uh, when I got through university, I, I got a fellowship to the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York for two years, where, oh. I, where I studied. You didn't start in radio or anything up in your... Yes, I did, after I got through the Playhouse. Uh-huh. Uh, you went back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I studied with uh, Tony Randall and Eli Wallach and Danny Mann and that whole bunch. And then, I, then I went up to Canada. Quite a group. Yeah, they were quite a group. And I started in radio, and I was in radio for 14 years in 14 Canada. years in Canada? Yeah. And, and uh, what was your title in radio? Were you a... Oh, I was chief announcer of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation for a while, and I was uh, the chief news broadcaster for a while, and I did... I did everything, including sweeping out the studios and locking up the station at night. I heard something about a stopwatch that had to do with your uh, getting started in the business. Well, I, it, it actually got me started in the business in the United States. What is it? What, what, what happened? Well, I, I have a... I, right now, for example, Lucy, you look at the clock and you say, how much time do I have left? Uh -huh. Right? Yes. That's the important thing. How much time do I have left That's in radio? That's the story of my life. Right. <laughs> Our lives. <laughs> right. Now, I wanted a watch that would tell me that, something I could carry around. Now, they have a parking meter that tells you how much time you have left for parking, or a football clock mm -hmm. that tells you how much time is left for the game. Mm -hmm. But there was no watch which I could carry around, which I could set. If my show ran for 13 minutes and 22 seconds, I set it at 13.22, and it'd run down to zero. Uh -huh. And I always knew how much time I had left. So I decided, well, I decided to make one. You invented it? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I invented it. I took an existing stopwatch, or at least five or six of them, and took them apart to see what made them work. And when I emerged from all the boings and springs and everything else... <laughs> you I, had I... enough left to make something else. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got that stopwatch going. And somebody in New York heard about it, and I went down to see them. This was in 1953. Five, six weeks uh, before this occasion, I had decided that I was going to give up broadcasting and become an actor. Because mm -hmm. I had to find out about myself as an actor. And the only way I could find out about myself is to act with other actors in the, in the, at the top professional level, which was either New York or London. And I chose New York. 
So I went down to New York to show the people at uh, CBS, as a matter of fact. Some engineers at CBS wanted to see the stopwatch. I saw them. I happened to bump into an old friend of mine during that trip, Fletcher Markle. I hadn't seen him for some time. And two days later, he called me and said, how about doing a Studio One for me? He was producing Studio One on television. I said, I'd love to. So I did that Studio One. Out of that came another one. Out of that second one, which was a thing, uh, which was 1984, the George Orwell adaptation, in which I played Big Brother. Now I'm playing Big Daddy, I guess. And uh, two days later, I was signed for a Broadway show, and I was acting. In and the you United were States. on your way. Yeah. Have you ever preferred the stage to anything else, or do you now definitely prefer television, or do you just look forward to pictures? You know, when I was in radio, I loved radio. When I was on Broadway, I loved Broadway. When I did a film, I loved doing the film. I'm in television now, and I love television. I think what you're working at, if you really in, in, intensively, uh, 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 truly want to do the best that you can possibly do, no matter what the medium. You don't even have time to think which you prefer. You don't have time, That's exactly. I agree with that. I like what I'm doing at the moment, always, and, right. and uh, give very little thought to what I wish I could be doing. Of course, I feel, I, feel, I feel this way, too. I feel that every person has within him a tremendous energy, which he manufactures. And I think we're, each one of us is capable of doing anything that we want to do, if we yeah. really know what we want to do, yeah. you know? Yeah, oh, I'm with you. Yeah, and I believe that, heck, I could have 20 careers in a lifetime, or 30 or 40, as many as my lifetime span will allow me. And you, you know? just about are on your way. You've got about well, uh, eight I, or I, 10 under your belt right now. But, but this, is the, this is part of the fun of living. You bet it is. You know, look at you, look at the th number of things you've done. Well, they don't compare with yours. Our oh, time is on, up again sure. today, oh. believe it or not, but uh, I'm right up to a very interesting uh, other part of your life, and I'm not going to give up. Please, could we have you as our guest tomorrow, Lorne? Will you serve me some of that grapefruit? Yes. All right. I certainly shall. Okay. Thank you, dear. I have been talking to Lorne Green, the daddy in Bonanza. I hope you've enjoyed listening today, and I hope you'll be with us again tomorrow. Bye now. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.